is up everybody welcome to the first episode of the purple state paradigm i am your host nolan and i have my lovely co-host and wife kelly over here and today we have a very special guest my good friend and also a philosophy professor at the university of north florida Kyle Hodge. And uh, we were actually just discussing a conference that you were attending. And uh, the topic of illegal immigrant had been brought up. And we are going to pick right up where we uh, left off with that. So Kyle, take it away. Uh, Just a quick correction. It wasn't a conference. It was just, it's it's a philosophy slam. And it was at Sahara's. Mm, Okay. Okay. It was a more casual thing. It was more casual. Okay. And this was the third or fourth one. I think it's the third one so far this year. There was another one earlier about death. Mm. I didn't go to that one. This is actually the first philosophy slam I've gone to. But the subject was political correctness. So there are many different ways people refer to uh, illegal aliens. So people, I've already used two, illegal immigrant, illegal aliens, undocumented alien, undocumented person. I don't really think anyone says illegal person. Sometimes people just say illegals. So all those various things. The phrase that the speaker giving the talk at the Philosophy Slam used was undocumented person. And, you know, she acknowledged that that might be something that people would call politically correct. Um, So that sort of formed the basis for one of the questions that I wanted to ask. So it ended up coming up in the following way. I was asking about instances of political correctness through omission. So cases where, for example, the United States military will say, collateral damage instead of civilian casualties or people who died in a bombing, something like that. Another example that was brought up was uh, President Obama calling uh, terrorism by Islamic radicals just violent extremism, so taking away the context from who was actually perpetrating the attacks. And so I basically asked, do we need to omit those kinds of details when omitting them makes it such that we're being kind of obscurantist about uh, the subject matter in question. So when someone says collateral damage, I don't know if they're talking about property or persons. The only reason I'm thinking about persons is because people tend to use it to refer to persons and to gloss over the significance of those people dying. Um, Similarly, it seems like people say undocumented person instead of illegal alien or illegal immigrant because it glosses over the fact that they're in violation of United States laws. Um, And likewise, Obama calling violent extremism, or I'm sorry, radical Islamic terrorism, violent extremism glosses over the fact that the violent extremism was perpetrated by people who were Islamic and did it for reasons. For Uh, the religious purposes. For religious reasons, yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have to be blunt about it. We don't have to say civilians murdered by the United States government. That might not even be technically correct anyway. They could be accidental. But we're not going to make it hyperbolic just by talking accurately about it. So I was just asking why we wouldn't prefer to talk accurately about something like that. And so uh, she sort of gave two responses. The first response had to do with people calling people illegals and using, I suppose what is called a substantive adjective where you're referring to the sub to the substance of the person rather than just describing something about them. So in other words, you're ascribing illegality to their person rather than describing something that they did which was illegal. Right. And she was suggesting that 
what seemed nefarious was the description, not necessarily the de- description. Now, that seemed a little bit like a dodge to me because I wasn't talking about ascriptions. I think ascriptions are made rather rarely. If I use the term illegal immigrant, I'm not suggesting that the person in the substance of their person is illegal. That doesn't even make sense. It's true that they're undocumented, but undocumented doesn't seem to suggest the kind of illegality that's present, you know, when someone here is contrary to, uh, when someone is in the United States uh, in a way that's contrary to what the law uh, really is. So it's not as though someone's documents got burned or lost. Yeah. Those people would be undocumented too, but we're not talking about people like that. The lost document immigrants. Exactly. That'd be a good band name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, so that was one disagreement I had. The other disagreement that I had was she seemed to suggest that the assessment of someone doing something illegal seems to be in some sense subjective. So she said something to the effect of, other people who are positioned in different contexts or who have different perspectives might say something different. And the response to that is just what the United States law says is not subjective. I mean, there's a limited degree to which you can interpret the context of the words in the law. But other than that, the law says what it says. Right. Did she... Um, elaborate on that as far as it being a subjective no um it was it was essentially cashed out in the terms that i sort of set out namely people that are positioned in different contexts is the way that she said it and like using those terms illegal immigrants or undocumented i feel like being so pc about it and not saying illegal like you're not really addressing a lot of the real issue like a lot of those people are coming over here like yeah they're in shitty situations but also not addressing that they are illegal immigrants is completely missing what is illegal about the situation. Like, it's not necessarily the person that you're describing, but the act of them coming over here in the way that they got here and the people responsible for that, because that's a huge issue. That was just something interesting that had happened there. That was the basis for the discussion, the the difference between uh, describing the actions a person commits and the... Um, the descriptions you want to make to them about their character or disposition or something like that. Right. Um, I know some people probably do ascribe to those folks something negative on the basis of that, but I think just a formal description, which is technically accurate, isn't something to be worried about. Right. That's an unfortunate aspect because, you know, that, that goes back to the censorship and, um, you know, one of the things that's heavily debated now is that, you know, people feel like that was censoring discussion in the same way that, uh, you know, you're the military example that you brought up, the collateral damage. You know, when you just say that there's been collateral damage after a failed drone strike or even a successful drone strike that killed more civilians than it did insurgents, um, you know, when you censor that, you also silence a discussion that you could be having about safer um, procedures and things and how to proceed with, you know, drone strikes and, and other military operations that will have inevitably um, some form of collateral damage, you know, uh, whether it be a, a building that has been destroyed or, um, you know, people that have been killed that were innocent and just happen to be in the same area. So, um, you know, I personally don't have an issue with it. And I, I wish that uh, more people would would jump on that because there are definitely issues. Well, and so one thing that I think would be important to sort of add on to, given what you just said, is the sense in which 
the ability to think carefully about these kinds of issues depends on the scope of possible meanings that are introduced in language. So what I mean by that is the ways in which we are not necessarily allowed to talk about things in, but the ways that people feel comfortable talking about subject matters. So if there's more ways to talk about a particular issue, then there are more ways to think about the particular issue. And if you can think about the particular issue in multiple different and important ways, then the range of possible solutions or... <laughs> that is our dog, by the way. Her name is Nina, and she is sleeping on her feet right now. The more options you have for having constructive dialogues about the topic or possibly approaching different solutions to the topic. But for example, if all you ever did was talk about collateral damage without specifying who or what the damage was to, well, your ability to do anything about it is going to be severely limited because you simply don't have enough information. You don't know the context. Right. Yeah. And that would be important not just for the person who has to deal directly with the collateral damage, but for the people who in response to that kind of information, would contribute to the decision-making process as to what would happen in response to that kind of damage. You're also separating yourself from the issue because if you just refer to people as being collateral damage, like you don't feel as bad. Right. Like you don't recognize what's going on. It's not something... Like, ah, it's just another day. Yeah, it's just... Just another strike. Yeah. It's like, oh, that was just an explosion. But you don't think about fact that there's a lives like those are people yeah five more kids dead today it has a way bigger impact than yeah there was some collateral damage with mm -hmm. the most recent drone strike <laughs> well and that and that's not to say that we should always put things in the most gratuitous or blunt terms but it just means that we need to at least be able to talk about things in a more accurate way than the sort of vague nebulous way that something like collateral damage allows us to do um yeah that's uh, I was gonna go somewhere else and I forgot. Yeah, well, it sounds like <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, it's unfortunate that I missed that. Um, okay, so on NPR, um, there is an article that was put out earlier today, and it is basically discussing Flynn's involvement with Russia, yeah. and that they now will Mueller sources close to the matter, which I am. Always super skeptical of. You're sure I, they're not just familiar I, with somebody's thinking? Yeah. I, <laughs> I have my fucking skeptical hippo eyes on about that shit because I, I, they don't give us enough information. Like if they would say like somebody actually involved in the investigation or something a bit more concrete than somebody close to the matter. But anyways, they're saying that he has enough to indict Flynn. And... um. You know, I mean, I, I, I could definitely see that coming. You know, of course, as soon as it came out that um, he lied about his meeting with the ambassador, you know, Trump canned him, um, which I respect him for. You know, I mean, it, it hasn't been 100% confirmed that he was involved in this. Hey, or that, uh, no, Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I do respect the fact that every time more information would come out that um, somebody was involved, uh, they would be fired. But at the same time, it's also once it became, you know, public knowledge. And that is, uh, that is a bit worrisome in that regard. Um, anyway, so Kelly and I have been having this discussion and, uh, she actually has a really interesting take on it. And I'm going to go ahead and, and let you. Well, 
I think that with the Mueller Russia investigation with Trump, that people aren't as upset about this because it led to us getting the emails that Hillary had. So it showed that she was doing something illegal, not that anything happened. But my point in this situation where I still think that it's wrong and I care like greatly is the fact that Trump's administration, the people surrounding him, and I fully believe that he was involved and that he had an idea that this was going on. There's just no proof because they were careful. My issue with it is that this was an enemy of the United States that intervened. If it was someone like Edward Snowden, who was like, hey guys, I'm back. I got these emails. Check this out. You need to know this. I'd be like, okay, thanks. Like the fact that this was a foreign country that is an enemy of the United States that intervened is a huge problem. It's the act itself and who was involved that bothers me. So basically because Russia was the one to give us the information, that is what makes it bad. It's not the fact that we have access to it now because Clinton set up those email servers illegally and sent classified information illegally. And um, now we have access to that information because of the Russia hacking. But if that had been a whistleblower, somebody on our staffing team, um, because it was somebody um, outside of the United States that was giving us the information, that is the issue that you have with it. It's not the fact right. that the the, the uh, information was leaked. You know, of course, the contents are super damning, and that is it's it's very disheartening to see that you know so many that she was capable of rigging so many different aspects of it. But we wouldn't even know that if it wasn't for the hacking. But it's the fact that an enemy of the United States did the hacking Mm -hmm. to further their agenda. That's my issue. Well, another thing, what, what gets me curious, like, I I understand, you know, that like the information aside, you know, how damning it is, you know, rigging the DNC. What I want to know is why they decided to hack her phone and help Trump. Because I mean, I, I think it's, Pretty, would you all agree that Russia did set out to help Trump specifically? Like, not there, the mission wasn't just to hurt Clinton, it was also to help Trump in the process. Would you all agree? Yes, yeah, probably. So, why, why, why did they want to help him? Is it specifically because they wanted to avoid war that they felt like Clinton was going to wage on them? Um, because there is that one speech that's out there where she says that cyber attacks will be met with military force. And that is, wouldn't be good for America. I mean, it would be a valid concern if that was their reasoning. Or is it something more insidious than that? Like, what was their plan? Like, what's the what's the goal here? Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Why side with Trump? Why defend him? Why, Why do they want Trump in the White House? Uh, it might not be as serious as avoiding military conflict. Maybe they just thought that we're talking about Hillary motherfucking Clinton right now. You we are sure? talking about Hillary. Clinton. We're talking about Hillary but motherfucking. No, the fact that it's Hillary Clinton, Clinton is relevant because, for the lar- for a large part, Hillary was riding on a lot of what she took to be Obama's success. She praised a lot of the things that Obama did, for example, and was interested in continuing many of the policies that he had. Some of those policies were going to include uh, the sanctions against Russia for their actions in Ukraine, and Crimea. And so if they have economic interests in Trump, then they might be interested in seeing him as being the president. And that seems also to be a little less nefarious 
uh, all things considered, than some other kind of ulterior motive. So I don't know what other kind of motive that they they might have had. Yeah, economically advantageous to have him in the White House. Yeah, I'd say so. What did the sanctions include? Do you remember? I don't know the specifics of the sanctions now. I will Google them though. He definitely did not want to impose them on Russia, though. There's been a significant delay in that. And they came out in 2016, I believe, and uh, the FBI said that they they did interfere, um, but it was as of right now, it's only been confirmed that they hacked the email server, which shouldn't have even fucking been there in the first place. And if that is the only way that they interfered, then I have to say that because that is information that we should have been entitled to already as American citizens, then it's not as bad but the fact that it is an enemy of the united states is is certainly a problem and you bring up a really good point with that kelly and like the results of their actions isn't shouldn't be included into whether or not it was okay or not for them to do that or whether or not they shouldn't be reprimanded in whatever way that we whether we place further sanctions on them or whatever like that shouldn't be something considered it's the fact that they did cross that line like yeah nothing terrible happened but they still interfered with a foreign country a country that they are against but you said you'd be fine with it if someone like snowden did it well yeah he's a citizen but he crossed a line but he didn't do it with the intentions he did it to inform inform the american people right of something that we probably should know about snowden isn't an enemy of the united states like he doesn't threaten our security here Russia does. Russia is a threat. Well, in what way are they a threat? We could go to war with yeah, them. Yeah, like this is an entity that could pose a huge threat to us. Whereas Snowden, it's like this is one person. They're not one of our allies. Right. They're not an ally at all. So they're not, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily an enemy of us um, in the same way that, you know, fucking ISIS is. We're like but acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. We're more like, we're just kind of, we're two superpowers that are just trying to trying to figure this thing out we're trying yeah. to shoulder past each other on the world stage yeah so exactly. what if the, like the situation was reversed and america was the one that had hacked russia how I do mean, you think russia would react Putin would have fucking what do you think russia would have done i don't know probably not attack the united states that sounds like a really bad idea well yeah I mean, we, also, got, we got the biggest swinging dick of the whole world dude. well <laughs> they also can't enforce those kinds of economic sanctions against us because we're the largest market most powerful economy in the world that's why we can mess other people up by denying them access to our markets <laughs> well i feel like if the situation was reversed and america was the one that was intervening then everyone in the world would be like oh america's stepping in shit that they don't need to step in again america's getting involved that's what i was that's basically what i was going to bring up we've done it a lot in the past we yeah. are we are so good at stepping in other people's yeah. shit like that is what we do we but we're good at smushing the shit not reforming it afterwards but yeah that's that's my main issue is just the fact that this isn't an ally this isn't someone that you know we can just fucking chill with and get all comfy but this per or this country is an issue passport works over there doesn't it i don't know I think it does. Well, Wait, what? I think I think our passport works over there. Like we could we could fly over there if we wanted to. So I mean, they're yeah. not they're not an enemy per se, but but they're not an ally. Yeah, they're definitely not an ally. I think we have trade agreements with them, and I think it it kind of ends there. Like they we don't, don't have the best interests of the United States. Like they're doing what they do, what they need e- to do to further themselves. Yeah, that's probably true. Now I have to ask a question though. If say. 
it, let's ag- would we agree that the UK is an ally of the United States? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if the UK revealed that information instead, what do you think then? Mm. I would still think that it is an issue, but I don't think it would bother not me as severe. As yeah, because there's severe. been threats and a likelihood of us going to war with Russia. Like we're not butting heads. We're not butting heads with the UK. Like there's nothing happening. Well, does it have anything to do with the? So it has something to do with the way we perceive them in their international relations with us. Yes. Right? Does it? also matter what kind of relationship we want to maintain with them going forward so if it makes the difference to interpret this as some kind of hostile act towards the united states or a neutral act which involved the united states we wouldn't say it's a benevolent act which involved the united states they probably weren't trying to give us the information because they were saying something like oh it's great that you have this new information here isn't this useful informationally speaking they're probably not going for that but they might also not be acting like a shadow government that has all these nefarious intentions. If they think that it is just in their raw interests, regardless of how it impacts the United States, they might've just done it anyway. Now, as it so happens, I don't know how you both feel about this particular issue. As far as the DNC hacking goes, more information like that on the marketplace of ideas in the United States seems like a better thing than a lack of that information to me. Yeah, like some the the covert ops bullshit that, you know, is going on there with them fucking over Bernie. I that mean, I agree just, that we needed that information. Yeah, I'm not we definitely mad. needed it. I'm not mad that we got it. I just don't think that people should be complacent in the fact that another country that's caused for that to come out. And I think Hillary should have been held accountable, but that's a completely different <laughs> topic. Well, I, I don't think that we should necessarily just be complacent, but I think it matters in part what their intentions were. And if their intentions were just completely self-serving rather than nefarious in some way, I think we might be justified in reacting a little bit differently to what they've done. Now, how do you think that we should react to Trump's administration and doing these things and like his children being involved? Yeah, Trump Jr. was even involved in scheduling the meeting in the Trump Tower during the campaign. That's a fucking problem. Um, So... I wouldn't be surprised if Trump knew. Uh, So one thing that, you know, there's a clip of this. So the Al Capone case, when he was actually prosecuted and they were interviewing his henchmen as witnesses and things of that sort, was actually taped. And one of the things that these uh, folks talked about was the use of what are called buffers. You can perhaps see where I'm going with this. The idea of a buffer is that they do the dirty work without... The other person knowing mm-hmm. explicitly what they're doing so they can y- get away with it it's sort of a take care of this problem comment and then they take care of the problem just handle it for me exactly yeah now technically speaking the person doesn't know how their problem is going to be handled so we don't know what the problem to be handled might have been now you have cases like that george papadopoulos guy And one of the news articles that I had read suggested that he may have been acting autonomously so as to improve his own position within the campaign. Right. I remember reading about that as well. So if that was... But you can't really see Don Jr. doing that. You know? He he doesn't need to improve his standing in his father's eyes, presumably. No, he doesn't. I mean, unless the family is really like that. I don't know, maybe. But um, So some of the people might have done it um, for those self-serving reasons. 
independently so as to show initiative. And you can't show initiative if you've already been ordered to do something. Right. Okay, so the Don Jr. thing is one thing. The other mm-hmm. the other question is we have to ask ourselves how much did these efforts towards Russia matter to either Trump or the other people who are running the campaign? Um, like, like, let's say these people did do this to further their status within the campaign. Where did this idea come from? Was this something that was mentioned by Trump? Was this something mentioned by like his campaign manager? Like, how do you go from running for president and then your people thinking, oh, let me get Russia in on this. Like, where did where do they jump to that? Well, I mean, if the Russians are operating somewhat autonomously, I think there was a case where someone from Russia reached out to a member of the Trump campaign saying, hey, I got some some stuff you might be interested in. Oh, yeah, that that would make sense. So that would be one way to, to think get them it. to start thinking about it. Um I just, you'd have to find out how much it mattered to the campaign to get Russia involved. Because if they didn't think it was necessary, why would they take such a huge risk for something that they didn't even think would be that rewarding? And especially if Russia already had interests in helping Trump win, they could just do it by themselves. Yeah. They don't really need the campaign's cooperation. Okay, so how Trump handled Puerto Rico. Um, not the the classiest responses that uh, that you would expect from a president. No, he was uh he he did the Trump thing to it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> personality wise. Yeah, he uh you Paper know towel tossing. Yes, that was Katrina was way worse, which is technically true, but not a nice thing to say. Yeah, very much not a nice thing to say to a group of people that are still trying to recover from a disaster, especially comparing it to something that happened, I don't know, about 10 fucking years ago, 13 years ago now, actually. What was it? 2004, I believe when that happened. Puerto Rico, you're uh you're messing with our budget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not very nice to say. Like it's it's almost like they're forgetting that they are in fact US citizens. Right. Um you know, I mean, it's it's just like I couldn't. Who's forgetting that? Like Trump, it it was almost like he had forgotten that. Because I mean, it, could you imagine like Miami or Jacksonville or Tampa um, being completely devastated by a storm and him going and being like Florida? Yeah, y'all are hurting our budget. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you're, we're in a lot of debt, you know what I mean? You guys, it, it really wasn't as bad as Katrina, you know I mean? Let's and say. I don't think that he would have said that if it was I don't think the if mainland it was, If it was actually the in the States, I don't think he would have said it. It's because of the fact that it's Puerto Rico. I think that it's just, it's very easy to dismiss them because there were a lot of people, like even in Florida, and we're right off the motherfucking coast from them, that... um that didn't know that they were actually a U.S. territory until people started making a big deal about how he was treating the uh, Maria incident. You know, there are a lot of people who don't even think that the Earth rotates around the sun and shit. Yeah. Those are the people who don't think Puerto Ricans are American citizens. And yes, there are startling numbers of them. Yeah, I don't think that we should use them as an example. Well, the point is, is that... You don't think it's a race issue? I don't think that it's a race issue, no. Okay. Um... I mean, it, it's well, I mean, it very have, well could be. I mean, there's some damning evidence, you know, towards how um, Trump has treated minorities in the past, and it's it's not always favorable. But there's also some other instances where people, um, you know, that aren't bombarded by um, biased news outlets that will say that he's very uh, warm and and charming when they talk to him. And think, you know, so I mean, I I definitely don't want to brand our president as being a racist. That's not that's not what I want to do. So I don't think it has anything to do with race. 
as much as it was just a fucking inconsiderate douche that um you know has has gotten away with saying a lot of damning things throughout his life um just speaking before he thinks about it i think that's all it was um it's totally within the range of what his character is capable of. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't think it has anything to do with the race. I think it's just a matter of him being able to say whatever the fuck first comes to his mind his entire life. He has not developed a, a filter of any kind, and I think that's why a lot of people love him. But it also ends up making him look like a complete asshole when speaking to a group of people that were just ravaged by a goddamn hurricane. They did react pretty quickly. They did um, react the news, very quickly. The news kind of hyped that up a little bit and, you know, really demonized them. But, yeah, they, they did get shit in motion very quickly. Um, FEMA's response is actually available. Um, you can just easily uh, Google that. Their power grid is still fucked. Um, you know, I mean, there there are a few things that aren't being handled the same way that it would i would say if you know it was houston that was hit in the same manner and they were affected the same way their entire power grid was fucked you know they're you know it's just it's it's an unfortunate situation but well they're in the difficult position of having significantly older infrastructure and less finances on hand to deal with the aftermath so my assumption is that in addition to the donations that texas received from having been impacted by harvey they probably weren't in the kind of debt that Puerto Rico was, and they have a much larger pool of resources to draw from. So they're in a different position than than the people in Puerto Rico were. As a territory. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, is what... Now, obviously, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, there was some amount of money that FEMA was able to give to Puerto Rico and, or use for Puerto Rico in terms of an emergency disaster relief and things of that sort. But after the fact, it's not sure, it's not clear how much money um, we are able to give to them and how much money ought to be given in the sense that there's going to be a point where the prog- the recovery progress is going to stymie what increasing the money stream is going to do. So if you just don't have enough hands on deck, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. Can't invent more people. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the case where the problem with distributing su- supplies around the island had to do not with how many supplies were on hand. There were plenty. It was that they didn't have any truck drivers to move the supplies around the island and get them to the people who needed them. And that in part had to do with the fact that... That's just logistics. Were, yeah, they were out yeah. of communication with the truck drivers. The roads were damaged. You know, trees are all in the way of the road. You can't just ram your truck through all that stuff. I think you're not going to have a good time. And so people will say that it's really bad. Of course it's really bad. Maria was a really bad hurricane. So here's an example. Um, and what website is this from? This is from the Washington Post. So, quote, The Trump administration's response to the destruction in Puerto Rico has been wholly inadequate, uh, Smith said. A territory of 3.5 million American citizens is almost completely without power, water, food, and telephone service. And we have a handful of helicopters involved in the DOD's response. It's a disgrace. Now, the problem is, it's not surprising that all those utilities are out. They just got hit by a Category 5 hurricane, and they have outdated infrastructure. The other thing that the person doesn't say is how many helicopters they need, or that they should have, or what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, so, it's that kind of thing. It's kind of a vague complaint about what's actually happening in Puerto Rico, but... It's easy to complain because the destruction is obvious. Yeah. 
but attributing that fault to the response of the federal government seems to be another another point and i don't know if you can get to it just from it's really bad right now yeah i mean i think that in terms of uh finances uh the financial support i think it's a it's a little lacking but it's not i mean like you said you know it's a matter of logistics you know you can't you can't buy elbow grease you know what i mean i mean that's you know you you got to have the manpower for it and you know if you want to bring outside people in you know i mean a lot of people would probably listen to this and be like well what about all the fucking the people in the u.s well you know you got to worry about volunteers and then where are you going to fucking house them you know people got basic necessities you know there's a lot they would be spending a lot of money to bring people over and you know the the ones that did go over you know i know the navy had a very powerful response there and they um you know of course they have you know housing quarters on the boats and things like that but that should cost money you know that's that's more money that they have to put into it and you know i mean it's just it's it's not a a cheap effort you know by any stretch well and it's not even necessarily the financial response per se but um you also have to take into consideration that the federal government can't in every single case just come in and completely subvert the authority of the local governments it's you have to ask the question to what degree should and is are the puerto rican officials responsible for the way in which they're handling the disaster so for example that um that chicago tribune article indicated that the authorities that be at the power company in puerto rico were the ones negotiating the contracts to repair their infrastructure around the uh the island and so that means that you know the federal government is not taking over that duty should the federal government take over that duty well one should would probably only think so if you think that the Puerto Rican government is incompetent or is not capable of making the right decisions for themselves. That's a pretty big injunction against the Puerto Rican government and the people that elected them. That would right. cause a lot of issues. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the hard parts to say because it's easy to say, well, the federal government should just spend as many resources as necessary and take over control of as many things as necessary to fix the damage. But it doesn't seem like that is in fact how it works. Namely that we just subvert local and the equivalent of state governments in Puerto Rico just for the purposes of disaster relief. Nor is it clear that we should end up doing that, especially since those people are autonomous. We don't just automatically get the run of the place to fix it for them. Right. Like they're part of they're part of the equation too and it's part of their autonomy as uh United States citizens and citizens of the territory of Puerto Rico to manage their political community. And if they manage it well, then hopefully things will improve. But if they manage it poorly, well, it's going to make it harder for everyone there. So there's a lot of weird complex political uh aspects to the situation as well. And those I don't think I don't think we have a, a a ton of information about that. We have a little bit now about the electric company contracts and whether or not that's a good idea and who has control over picking those contracts. Um, but other than that, I don't have a lot of awareness about that. What do you think about Tesla wanting to rebuild the power grid? Um, I think that if they're genuine about it, that that's great. I just hope that they're not using it as some kind of marketing tactic yeah Yeah. because i mean it's morally speaking it looks really good for them 
Does the Earth orbit the sun or not? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the Earth is actually triangular. We're all lied to. <laughs> We're on the inside of the triangle, actually. Uh, did we evolve from apes at some point? Oh, God. And I just have two questions. We were created out of clay. One, were we created out of clay? And two, why are there still apes? Look, I'm just saying, look into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the NFL, um, that's another topic that we wanted to cover. And um, Free speech, people. Yeah, that shit, that shit died out so fucking quick. Um, like people were actually wanting to protest uh, the NFL games. And it's just like, look, they... They were using the only platform that they know how to use. Um, they're fucking entertainers. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, this is the equivalent of somebody, of a musician in the middle of a concert stopping it and, and expressing their political opinion, which does happen from time to time. Um, I mean, this is the equivalent of that. You know, they're using their the only platform that they knew that they had. And, you know, because, I mean, of course they can't say shit in the middle of a game. You know, if they if they don't play, they lose their contract and they get fucking fired. But there's nothing that they say about, um, you know, the national anthem. And a lot of people will get offended and say that, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, shitting on the country or shitting on the flag. And um, I don't even think it was. It's about the flag. It was it was them making a statement literally the only way they can, because literally no other part of the game gives them an opportunity to do anything. They can't say anything right. besides and, the. uh was it the Pledge of Allegiance or the Star Spangled Banner? Or yeah, whatever? the anthem. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's the only fucking option they have if they want to say something. Because if they say something on Twitter, I mean, it's very fucking easy to just ignore somebody on Twitter. But when you have a game that millions of people are watching, you know, you, you got a bigger platform than, you know, a couple of athletes, you know, standing together in solidarity and, you know, you know, sending out some nice little tweet about it. Um so, you know, they were using their voice and it's a voice that, you know, I personally, if, if I was in the NFL, um, I would probably be one of the ones locking arms like, rather than doing yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that all that's, you have to do is stand that, for the anthem, right? Yeah. I think that that's more respectful, uh, locking arms. I would, I would probably be on that camp, honestly, rather than, than taking a kneel or just outright ignoring it. Um, because a lot of them were just ignoring it and just, you know, they were kneeling or sitting, just, you know, sitting on the bench. I mean, well, it, is that the political part of it then? So instead of doing it before or after, doing it during? Or is it just because doing it during would get you the most attention? Doing it during would get you the most attention because um, every time it happens, um, I mean, I, you've watched football games. They uh, they always take the camera and they pan over the... Uh, yeah, no, I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah, the players. The, the players. Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah. So when you see them kneeling or, or sitting down or something, it, it, it gets the views. But, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, just it's them using their voice, you know. Right. Hate it or love it, it's, it's people just expressing their opinions. And, you know, I think it's their right to. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, I think it's a really weird sort of dilemma that the NFL is in because I think that it is good for them to be able to freely express themselves in that way, but I think it's another question whether or not the NFL has to allow them to use the draw of the NFL as the platform for doing it, right? Are they entitled to use the NFL's platform for their as own? As their own. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that seems like something that someone could object to. Obviously, I think they should be able to have some kind of platform, if possible, even if it's just self-marketed, that they can stand on. But I don't know if they're justified in appropriating the NFL's platform for their purposes. Yeah. I agree. Like, it might not be, in, like, immoral or unethical, but it seems unprincipled in some way, I think. If that makes any sense. Yeah, like, they're taking the views that are going towards the football game to express their political opinions. Yeah, they're using an audience that really isn't there for that purpose. But yeah. they're going to use it anyway. Yeah, I mean fuck else are they gonna do like that's the only thing is that you know they they have an opinion they want to express it you know there are a lot of people that would love to be in the same position that can't express themselves because they don't have an outlet for it and they only have fucking 52 twitter followers (laughs) and they don't give a fuck about their opinions the football players are able to you know are able to to speak up for those people I mean, I think it's it's great that they're they're using their platform to do these things. Um, but I think that they also have the ability to do this outside of football, as in the sense they can just use their name and hold, you know, rallies, fundraisers, things like that. No, you that's know? the thing is that you know a lot of these fucking players, you know. There are a few big names. It's a team game, but there are only a few big names. Like if Tom Brady says oh, yeah, some that's shit. True. That's true. You know, if he says some shit to on Twitter or on Facebook, you know, he's gonna get some mentions. You know, motherfucking, you know, second string tight end of the goddamn Denver Broncos, you ain't gonna fucking know shit about him. But if he sits down for the anthem, oh yeah, he was one of the fucking players who was sitting down and he all of a sudden he has a voice. That's right. I didn't consider the fact that there are players that aren't. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't list a, a single fucking player other than Blake Bortles that's on the, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Yeah, neither can I. And, and I forgot about his name until you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's you know just the way it is, Like unless you're you're watching all the time. But if we had the game turned on, suddenly we'd, uh, we'd see a lot of people standing in solidarity for a single cause, and suddenly those people have names. Or have a voice, rather, even if they don't have names. Hmm. So, um, all right, guys. Well, it has been a fun, adventurous podcast. I think for the first episode, we absolutely fucking crushed it. Um, and I am very happy to be doing this. I am looking forward to doing it again. And do you guys have any closing thoughts or words? I do not. No. All right, guys. Well, this has been the Purple State Paradigm. We're out.